Well, hey, everyone. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at Brookside, and it is fantastic to be gathering with everyone here at Miller to worshiping together. A shout out to all the guys checking in from Mod 7 at our Correctional Center campus, and then welcome to everyone watching online from wherever you're checking in from. And then certainly, let me give a big welcome to our newest campus, everyone worshiping as part of us out in Elkhorn. I was in Elkhorn last Sunday as part of the services there, and it was so, so exciting and refreshing and good to see everything that God is doing through the campus there. It was fun for me to meet, meet some new people, people that I'd never met before, who were, who were actually just checking church out, some of whom hadn't been to church for a very long time. It was so fun for me to see the, the kids and the youth programming going so well seeing a whole lot of kids and youth hearing about Jesus and building godly friendships. And then it was fun for me just to worship as part of the services. So, so Brookside, across all of our campuses, thank you for being a church family that cares deeply about extending the love of Jesus and, and, and the message of Jesus and the mission of Jesus into more and more parts of our city. Well, I'm glad you're here today because today we're continuing this series that we've been in called Be Remarkable, Five Values to Drive Your Life. And what we're doing in the series is this. We're walking through our five core values as a church where we want to show you the things that define us as a church that's, that's faithful to Jesus, but is also just trying to push the ball down the field with a mission that Jesus has given us. And so if you pay attention in this series, you'll learn pretty well who Brookside is the things that we're about, and the things we want to continue to grow into. But I want to make sure that everyone hears, too, that this isn't just who we are as a church collectively, right? That this isn't just us, like Brookside as a church. This is for you personally. I know, I hope, I pray that these values, that we want to be true of us as a church, that you lean into, you own these same values yourselves. And so we'll dig into the, the, the new value for today. We'll dig into John 13 here in just a minute. But first of all, if you're brand new to Brookside, let me catch you up on where we've been. And so a few weeks ago, Jeff started us out in this series by looking at our first value, all people matter to God. And Jesus says repeatedly in the Gospels that we're to love our neighbor. And then in this great story in, John, or in Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and he shows us that, that our neighbor it's not just people that look like us. It's not just people that share 100% of our same values. You see, you see, everyone is created in God's image. And so at Brookside, we believe that all people deserve dignity, have purpose, and are welcome. And then the next value we looked at was biblical authority. God has spoken in this book in a way that's unlike any other book or communication that he's given us. And it's amazing that God has spoken this, right? He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to reveal himself, but, but, but he did. And so the God who spoke creation into existence has spoken and continues to speak to us in and through this book. And so we want to run to this book for, for truth, for, for direction, and for inspiration. And again, this isn't just what we do on Sunday mornings or in small groups. This is a value we want you to feel individually during the week. We all want to be opening up this book and putting ourselves gladly under its authority to see what the God of the universe would have for us. And then last week we looked at, at another value, reaching the next generation. Listen to this number. This blows me away. 700 plus children and youth are part of our Brookside family. And so as a church, we praise God for, for the gift of these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids 
But we also want to steward this gift so faithfully and so well. And so as, as parents, right, this is me too. I've got four boys, freshmen in high school on down from there. So, so, so as parents, this means that we own our responsibility as being the primary disciple makers of our kids. Now, this doesn't mean we're perfect as parents, because, because trust me, our kids already know we're not perfect as parents. This doesn't mean we're experts in Bible trivia, but, but here's what this value of, of being the primary disciple makers of our kids, what it looks like. It means every now and then we just do this gut check on our priorities, on what's important to us as a family. It is the most important thing to you as parents. Is it the college your kids get into, the grades they get, the, the team they're on, the crowd they're part of at school? I mean, all these things have their place, but, but they're secondary. The most important thing you can do as parents is to give your kids a true knowledge of God and to show them what Jesus has done and why they need that, what they have to do about what Jesus has done. And so as a church, this means we invest generously and joyfully in the future of the Big C Church, right? Thinking long-term, not just Brookside, but, but the church around the world. We want to be a multi-generational church with every generation represented, a multi-generational church that is actively reaching the next generation. And now that brings us to our value for today. Our next core value as a church is leadership development. We want to raise up and send out men and women who make a God-honoring difference in their spheres of influence. We want to raise up followers of Jesus who live in the world in such a way that changes the world. And now it's no mystery, right, that, that good leadership is important. All of us kind of nod our head in agreement to that. I mean, the alternatives aren't great. Anarchy never ends well, and bad leadership leaves its own wake of hurt and damage and broken pieces to pick up. And so good leadership is important. But, but as we talk about that, maybe you're asking, but, but Tim, what does that mean to me? Well, why is good leadership valuable for me to think about today? What does this have to do with you personally? Well, I'd make the case that everyone listening to me right now, everyone is a leader because everyone has some sphere of influence that you can make a difference in and make a positive impact on, right, right, right. Whether, in, whether in big ways or small ways, over dozens and hundreds of people or just one small area that you can make a difference in. You can make a difference. You're not just a victim. You're not just a puppet in these rapids of life that are out of your control. Or maybe this question will help you see the difference that you can make, the influence that you have. What, what difference can you make in your life, and in the lives of those around you, that no one else is in a position to make? What difference can you make in the lives of those around you that no one else is in a position to make? I mean, this question applies as much to the CEO as it does to the stay-at-home parent. It applies as much to the military leader as it does to you guys sitting and listening in at Mod 7. It applies as much to those who are celebrating success as it does to those who are suffering and struggling in some area of your life right now. What difference can you make in the life of someone else that no one else can? That's leadership, and leadership matters. One more question. So, so since you are a leader, since you do have influence, what kind of a leader are you going to be? 
How are you going to exercise that influence? In his hugely influential book on leadership called Good to Great, author Jim Collins, who was one of the best researchers on leadership in our lifetime, he unpacks all sorts of research, and he shows that the most effective leaders are characterized by, by two things, by, by this strong professional will, but then also by humility. These two things, they unlock the secret source of leadership that they can transform you in whatever area of influence you have. And the reason I'm excited is because, is because this ingredient, specifically of humility today, it's exactly where Christianity has a voice that is so helpful. It's exactly where Christianity has a voice that we need to listen to. I mean, that's why we're talking about this at church today. Because whatever specific training you get in some area of leadership or management or some skill or sub-skill in a job, some area of competence, right, right, Christianity, in a revolutionary and unparalleled way, Christianity points us again and again toward humility, that this character trait, that that is essential, again, for that secret sauce of effective leadership. And so listen in today, and by the time we're done, you'll see that humility and leadership, they're not opposed to each other. Strong humility, it doesn't mean weak leadership. Instead, we'll see that true leadership, leadership at its best, actually expresses itself in humble service. And you'll walk out of here. What I want you to do is walk out of here thinking and wondering about how you can use whatever influence you have, that, that area that you can touch, that area that you can impact. I want you to see how you can bring humble service for the good of others into that area of influence. John 13 is one of these passages where we very vividly see this expression of true leadership where we see power channeled to humbly serve others. And so as we talk about leadership development, as we, as we talk about the leaders that we want to be, Brookside, John 13 is this passage that we have to factor into things. And so we're going to work our way through John 13 in sections today. But, but, but here's just a forecast of where we're going. We're going to see the expression of true leadership in Jesus Christ. Whatever you thought of Jesus on your way coming in here today, no one can deny the effectiveness as a, 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 of Jesus as a leader, right? No other person has started a movement as deeply held, as long-lasting, and as geographically and ethnically diverse. And so today we're going to see how the world's greatest leader expresses his leadership. So we're going to see the expression of true leadership, then we're going to see this extension of humble service through us. This is where everyone here will have an action step by the time we're done. And so let's start at the top. Let's start with the expression of true leadership. I'm going to start reading in John 13, verse 1. The Gospel of John says that it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Now, that's talking about Jesus' crucifixion, which is, which is less than 24 hours from the events we'll be reading about here in John 13. The passage continues saying, having loved his own who were in the end, or having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Keep that tidbit in mind as we keep reading who Jesus is, or who Judas is, and that he's here in all of this. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God, was returning to God. And so Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The, the authority and the leadership of Jesus is all over these verses I just read, probably most clearly in verse 3. Look at what verse 3 says. It says, all things are under Jesus' power. So, so the scope of Jesus' authority is everything. And then it says Jesus, he, he knew that he had come from God. He was returning to God. So Jesus' identity and, and his future, they're secure. Jesus' position of leadership is not being threatened. There's nothing fragile about his leadership here in John 13. Jesus is the guy in charge. John 13 it is dripping with Jesus' leadership. And then look at how that leadership expresses itself. Here's verses 4 and 5 again. And so Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I, I love this passage because it reads like everything that's happening there is just so commonplace, so natural. Jesus, the dude in, in charge, the king of kings, the Lord of Lord, the Lord of lords, he just gets up and he washes his disciples' feet. But in reality, the first century shock value of what Jesus is doing here is jaw-dropping. I mean, this meal that, Jesus, or that John 13 is talking about, Jesus and his disciples would have been eating at a table just a few inches off of the ground. It wouldn't have been any chairs. So they would have been reclining kind of on one arm, eating with the other, with their feet extended away from them, away from the table. And this makes sense because their feet would have been pretty dirty, so he wouldn't want that near the food. Because even if they had washed or bathed earlier that day, when people are walking through whatever they're walking through in the first century, right, the, the, the dusty paths in, in sandals or, or in bare feet, your, your feet would get filthy again very quickly. And so it's, it's customary here for there to be a foot washing when somebody enters a house before a meal. But what isn't customary is for the person who's hosting or presiding at the meal to, do the one, to, to, to be the one doing the washing, right? The, that was reserved for the lowliest of servants. It was a demeaning act. It, it was menial service. And, and in John 13, this act of menial service is done by the most powerful person in the room. I love how one of the leaders in the early church helps us see everything that's really going on here in John 13. He, he's writing about this foot washing here in the gospel. And, and here's this quote from around A.D. 400. So 1,600 years ago, here's this quote. Talking of Jesus, it says, He who wraps the heavens in clouds wraps round himself a towel. He who pours the water into the rivers and pools tips water into a basin. And he before whom every knee bends in heaven and on earth and under the earth, he knelt to wash the feet of his disciples. That's what's going on in John 13. And then if, if, if that cultural shock isn't enough for us, I mean, other things, just in the context of John 13, make Jesus' act of humble service even more amazing, right? In verse 2, 
we saw that Judas is sitting down with Jesus at this meal. The devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. And then on top of that, Jesus' other 11 disciples, pretty soon they're going to flee Jesus when he gets arrested in the garden. Jesus knows all of this. And he humbly washes the feet of his disciples, even though one of them is a traitor and the rest are cowards. See, Jesus doesn't wash their feet because of how great they are. Jesus washes their feet because of how great he is. That's true leadership. True leadership, it expresses itself in humble service for the good of others. More and more people are valuing the importance of humility, that this sort of service in leadership. Here's what retired general, uh, here's, what retired, uh, here's what retired lieutenant general in the Marine Corps, George Flynn, what he says in his forward to Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last. George Flynn says, when you're with Marines gathering to eat, you will notice that the most junior are served first and the most senior are served last. When you witness this act, you'll also notice that no order is given. I mean, Marines, they just do it. At the heart of this very simple action is the Marine Corps' approach to leadership. Marine leaders are expected to eat last. Listen to this. They're expected to eat last because the true price of leadership is the willingness to place the needs of others above your own. Great leaders truly care about those they're privileged to lead and understand that the true cost of leadership privilege comes at the expense of self-interest. As valuable as this humble approach to true leadership is, it is way too rare. Too often instead we see leaders who abuse their power, who indulge in their privilege, or who use their position to, to advance themselves, even if it means stepping on or stepping over others. You see, Jesus takes these, these sinful notions of leadership and he turns them upside down. True leadership, leadership at its best, is humble service. This counterintuitive and upside down approach to leadership, it catches us off guard and it catches Peter off guard here in John 13 too. So let me just keep reading where we left off in John chapter 13. Here's verse 6. Check out this conversation between Jesus and Peter. So Jesus, again, towel wrapped around his waist. He comes to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you'll, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not every one of them was clean. Now, there's a lot going on in that set of verses. But let me just zero in on two big takeaways we don't want to miss for what we're talking about today. You see, what Jesus says here shows that Jesus' act of cleansing his disciples' feet is it's actually this glimpse or, or this picture of what was going to happen when, when Jesus' death on the cross cleansed his followers from their sin. Right? That this ultimate, unrepeatable act that Jesus did for us on the cross, that's the, that that's the truest example 
of humble service, of true leadership. And so this is big, that this means that as we think about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, but also it means as we think about Jesus' act for us on the cross, his death for our, for our sins there, it means these, these actions of service and, and sacrifice, that they're not a loss of leadership, they're not the absence of leadership, they're the essence of leadership. And so if, you, if, if you're just starting to, to, to get familiar with who Jesus is and what that means for you, what he's done, you've got to factor this in. Jesus' act of ultimate service, his death on the cross for our sins, it, it doesn't display a loss of leadership, but it's the essence of leadership. Or the second big takeaway from that conversation between Jesus and Peter, it has a whole lot to do with the humility that's so essential for the leadership we're called to show as followers of Jesus. See, Jesus' act of service here, it's not just something to observe. It's something to to receive. That's why Jesus pushes Peter to have his feet washed. That's why our own personal response to Jesus is so important. You see, Jesus' act of service, it's not something to admire from a distance. It means something for you today. Jesus' death on the, new, on the cross, the new life he gives, it must be consciously received. And, the, and then this work, it actually creates new desires in us, which is great because that means that Jesus' example of humility, it's not just a model we try really hard to follow out of sheer willpower. It means that as we follow in Jesus' footsteps, as we show this kind of humble leadership, that's an overflow of the work Jesus does when he gives us a new heart, when he's changing us from the inside out as his followers. And so the the truest expression of leadership is humble service. Let's look at our next point, the, the extension of humble leadership through us. Let me finish out our section in John 13. I'll read verses 12 to 17. And so when Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and, and he returned to his place from probably the center of the table, the, the, the position of honor. He goes from service to honor, completely uninterrupted, true leadership. And then he asks his disciples a question. After this awkward silence, probably where Jesus is washing their feet for, I mean, 12 disciples, what, 20, 30 minutes? Jesus speaks and he asks them a question. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus couldn't be more clear here. He says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And and now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Not blessed now that you know them. Not, not, not blessed because you've heard them. You'll be blessed when you do them. This is the call to action. Our definition of leadership, the, the way our leadership expresses itself, has to emphasize humble service for the good of those around us. This example of Jesus' leadership, it, it left a deep mark on Peter's life, one of Jesus' closest followers. Because writing about 30, 30 years 
after Jesus' death, Peter is writing to this group of churches in Asia Minor. And he's writing to leaders in these churches, people called elders. But, but, the, but the things he tells these leaders of churches, that they really they apply to everyone who's in any position of leadership. And, and as I read 1 Peter chapter 5, just the first few verses, listen to how many echoes there are of what we've already seen in John 13. This, this event that was just branded, imprinted deeply into Peter's life. So here's 1 Peter 5, verse 1. Peter says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, he tells them, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but, but eager to serve. Sounds familiar now, right? Eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you. Sounds familiar, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. And then listen to this. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. I wonder if, as, as, as Peter was writing that, I wonder if he just closed his eyes as he, as he tells this group of church leaders to clothe themselves with humility. I wonder if you remembered Jesus clothing himself with a towel on that night 30 years earlier. He says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Peter is echoing the same thing that Jesus taught three decades prior. True leadership Leadership at its best, it expresses itself in humble service to others. Well, I'm so grateful for all of the ways this value of leadership development broadly is already taking root in the life of our church family. So, so thanks, Brookside, for already leaning into this in so many ways. I mean, there are things we're doing this formally to do this, right? We, we've hosted something called the Global Leadership Summit for almost two decades now, this thing we do once a year where we just invest in leadership development, not only in the lives of people who attend Brookside, but in the lives of our city. We've been champions of extending its reach in Omaha because we care about leadership development because when a leader gets better, everybody benefits from that. Or, or one of our staff team values is something called, called give it away, where we want to be raising up other leaders behind us in every role here at the church. People we can be giving significant areas of oversight to, not just tasks, but responsibilities. Because as we continue to advance the mission Jesus has given us, we need a deep bench of leaders, staff, and a whole ton of volunteers who can help us faithfully steward what God is giving to us. Or our 4D program for interns and residents is giving seven emerging leaders theological training, it's giving them time with church leaders, and it's giving them a ton of ministry experience. And my prayer for that is someday when they head out to serve in other churches that aren't even Brookside, they would be developed to serve well. And so these are all things we're already doing. We're passing along skills, we're imparting content but it's not just skills and content. And I love content, right? 
but it's character. As we develop leaders, we want to think just as much about the sort of character we're developing in those leaders who are being raised up. What kind of a leader are you going to be? A humble leader? Or something else? So those are things we're doing formally, but then I love hearing about all the ways organically on your own you are already showing godly leadership in areas of influence you have Monday through Saturday, week in and week out. Right? Just within the last couple of weeks, I heard about one family finishing foster care training. That's huge. This is so they could love and care for little boys and little girls who can't be with their biological mom and dad right now. I heard about a business leader who had a choice to make between, between doing a, the, the right thing, a decision that needed integrity, or doing something that served his company's bottom line. And he chose to sacrifice the bottom line to do the right thing. Now, I know that sort of humble leadership is sending out positive ripples in his company that he leads in all sorts of ways. I know of a young couple who gave up their time on a weekend to help a coworker move. Right, right, right. These are simple steps that any one of us can do these. Steps that show humble service, which is really true leadership. And so, Brooks, I'd imagine what God could do now if we, if we took these simple steps of humble service. What if we multiplied those across, across all the relationships that you have individually, relationships that, that, that I can't influence that person in your life the way that you can? What if we multiplied these simple steps of, of humble leadership in all of these relationships over the course of time? Brooks, we could change the world. That's what Jesus tells us to do. As we've seen him do, humble service, we go and do likewise. So now let me leave you with those, with those same two questions I asked you earlier, questions I want ringing in your ears as you head out into the rest of your week. What positive difference can you make in the life of someone else that no one else can? That, that relationship that you can speak into that no one else can speak into the way that you do? And then what kind of a leader are you going to be? So Jesus gets up from the meal. He takes off his outer clothing and he wraps a towel around his waist. After that, he pours water into a basin and he begins to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. True leadership and menial service. And then after he had done this, he asked his disciples, you call me teacher and, and Lord, rightly so, for that is what I am. But, but now that I, your Lord and teacher, have, and now that I have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, You'll be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that shows us what true leadership looks like. Jesus, thank you for, for not only your example, showing us that true leadership is expressed in humble leadership, but Jesus, thank you that through your death on the cross for our sins, through the new heart that you give, 
you can actually generate a desire for humility that's genuine and authentic and real. You can generate that inside of us. Jesus, we need you to change our hearts so we desire true leadership. Jesus, my prayer is that, is that through Brookside, through, through Christians in the Omaha area, we would be characterized as people who use our influence humbly to serve others for your glory and the good of those around us. We love you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.